Amen. So once again, good evening. If you're joining us at home and tuning into our Bible study tonight, we are starting um, well a second topic in, in a, so it's not not quite a new it's a new series of topics in a, in an older series. Uh, so our series uh, called Sunday's Best. So we did about eight weeks or so in that uh, in in, a, in, a, in the, on worship. Uh, starting last year, December, I think. And so you might, might remember that the, the series is geared towards just reflecting on some of the, the practices, the common practices uh, that we have as a church, as churches, and in light of just how, um, in light of how uh, the pandemic has really affected how we do church, and how we, um, and a lot of our practices, um, we were almost constrained to rethink about what were the acceptable ways to do things, you know, and, uh, uh, and that had its, obviously that has its, had its cons, it has its, it had its, uh, um, it, had, it, had, it had its benefits as well, because then it allowed us to, to really ask whether the things we, we did in worship were we did as a church were really founded on on the teachings of God's word and um, so that's been that's that's the, the the major purpose of the series really has been to just reflect on some of the things that we we do and to remind ourselves that we need a biblical authority for all that we do we need to know the biblical basis for the things that we do that's how things last that's how things endure when we um, when we have a sense of, of what the Bible says about all that we do as a church and we, we, we seek biblical authority. And so the second subject in the series, after we've done a, a series on worship uh, and singing, to be fair, to be, to be quite more accurate, is about the Lord's Day or Sunday um, and what we're to make of, 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 of Sunday and what Sunday, the, the, the significance of, of Sunday in the church. Now the, the, the title there is maybe a bit of a misnomer. You'll, You'll, you'll see why in a moment. Um, probably makes it um, an either or that's not quite uh, factual. I'm, I'm, I think there's some folks who might be somewhere in the middle or so. Um, but I'll explain that in a moment. Um, I should say at this point, if you do have any questions, um, I'm sure if you're, if you're watching online, you'll, you'll be instructed uh, on the live stream, how to do that. You can just send your questions and we'll, we'll try and take some questions after the Bible study um, to do with the subject tonight, but also uh, just general questions as well. If you have any, we'll I'll be happy to try and answer that after the, the Bible study. Um, so the series on, 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 on what Sunday is. Now, let me read out a couple of questions to you and then um, that might help to put in context what we are thinking about in the, in the coming weeks. I imagine this will take us about three, four weeks perhaps um, to think through. Um, but yeah, is there according to the Bible a specific day in the week to be dedicated by Christians to engaging in the worship of God and resting from other mundane activities of the week? So um, yeah, you just ask yourself that, and I wonder how you answer that. What do you think? Do you think there's a day in the week that Christians should be dedicating to the worship of God? Practically speaking, most Christians do at some level, um, 
but is that something that the Bible teaches us to do? Um, what is that day? What's that day meant to be? Is the next question. Right, what's, that day? what's the day that the Bible says we should, if there is a day like that, what day is it? Um, should believers obey the, the fourth commandment? And that's, I, I read that earlier in, uh, um, in Exodus chapter 20, the commandment to um, keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And why do Christians meet on a Sunday? Is there a particular reason that Christians historically, for the most part of the church's existence, the first day of the week has been our meeting day? Is that, uh, what's the re- what do you think the reason is? Why do we do that? Don't know how you treat your Sunday. Um, I, I, ever since I was conscious of going to church, I've always known that Sunday was a special day. I was raised to treat Sunday in a special way, spent most of the time in church, there was some things, you, you got the sense that there were things you couldn't do. Um, if you went to a certain type of church, you probably had to dress a certain way as well. And so all that added to making Sunday, for many Christians anyway, um, quite a, a unique day. I guess at, at this point, the, the, what I'm saying is, it wouldn't even matter if that's been the case for thousands of years or hundreds of years of the church's life if it has no biblical basis, right? Uh, so even if that was a common practice, even if it was a beneficial practice, a useful practice, um, even if someone said, well, but if we got rid of this practice, it would really affect the church. That, none of those things would be significant enough for us to um, treat this as God's command, commandment or treat going to church on a Sunday as, you know, um, as the only way to do things if we could not base that on a biblical precept, if you can't go to the scriptures and say, this is why we do this. So that's why all these questions are important. Um, but yeah, whatever your, your answers are to those questions, we'll, we'll try and um, see how they align with the scriptures over the coming weeks. Um, but why is the question then about the Sabbath or the Lord's Day important? So the question about the Sabbath or the Lord's Day is really asking, um, is really asking all those things that I have been that, that, the, all those questions that I just asked in the, in the previous slide, that's what the question of the, of, the, of, the, of Sabbath of Lord's Day is really wanting to get behind. And, and why, is, why is that question important? Um, number one, the Bible speaks a lot about the Sabbath. So why is this question about um, what we should make of the fourth commandment important? Why is the question about what day Christians should meet important? First thing is the Bible actually speaks a lot about the Sabbath. So the reason why we should have, we should take some interest in this subject, the reason why we should form a, we should be attempting to form a biblical opinion at least of this subject. And so Christians have spilled a lot of ink on the subject. There's been a lot of um, debate, discussion, various positions articulated about this. And you might just think, I don't really care, to be honest. I don't really care about the Sabbath. I don't care about, you know, I'm happy to come to church on Sunday and happy to be with Christians on Sunday. And I could care less if someone wants to meet on a Saturday. I'm not really bothered. I don't think it's that significant. It's not the biggest, it's not the biggest concern for me. But as I say, the Bible just speaks a lot about it. Um, you might feel like a subject, you know, a Bible study on friendship, for example, was far more important for you or a Bible study on 
on anxiety, you know, was far more important than you, for you. A Bible study, you know. And, and, and actually, I question if the Bible necessarily puts more importance on those things than it does the Sabbath. The Sabbath is actually um, significant, is a significant doctrine in the Bible. Certainly in the Old Testament, as you'll see, you see, you see tonight. I'm making that point to say that the reason why the subject is important is because your Bible's important and you need to know your Bible. We are going to be, I, 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 feel, I feel sure that we're gonna learn, we're gonna see more, more and more as the year goes by that the, the worst thing to have happened to the church or, 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 or if the church is ever weak, the reason why it's weak, the reason why it's not ready to um, respond to Satan's attacks and the attacks from the world, the reason why it, it might not be ready to defend itself against the attacks of, of, um, of, of false teachers and so on is because we just don't know our Bibles enough. Few things are gonna be more damaging to the church in the future than how little we know our Bible. Um, I was doing a, I was doing a, the women's meeting in our church recently and I spoke to a number of the, uh, speaking, uh, speaking to the sisters there and one of the applications from my, um, from my study that, e- that afternoon was you need, to know, you need to know your Bible. You need to know your, you, need, you really need to know it, you know? Not just popular verses, not just popular books. Um, and that, I'm not even at this point commending necessarily daily Bible reading, that's a good thing. That's a good thing, but I'm not necessarily commending that. I, I know all too well that we can read out, we can have daily, we can have a, what's it called? Um, daily readings of the Bible, devotionals, whatever. You can have all that and still not know your Bible. You can read Genesis to Revelation this year, and it's a good thing, but you can read it and still not be a Bible reader. Because maybe the fundamental thing about reading your Bible is, a, is, a heart, is, your, is the position of your heart. That's why Psalm 119, Everyone says it's about the Bible, but, but think of how much it's about your heart. Think of how much the, the psalmist is revealing his heart. Um, so it's not just reading, it's loving your Bible. It's, it's wanting to know, it's meditating on it, it's seeing the importance of it. And so something like the Sabbath, Christians can respond instinctively and feel like, this doesn't matter to me, because we just don't, we don't know our Bibles. If you know your Bible, you know the sort of significance the Bible places on the subject of the Sabbath. And so you realize, actually, if I don't know about the Sabbath, there's so many um, connections I'm missing. There's so many things I'm not going to understand about the Bible full stop, because it's all over it. So the Bible speaks a lot about it, and there's nothing as important for us. I'm, there's nothing as important for us as knowing the Bible we need to know our Bibles, we need to meditate on it, like the back of our hands. We know way too much about sports and films and music, but we're bad Bible, and I say this as a pastor, I'm speaking for myself as a pastor. Pastors can get away, I'm speaking for myself. We can get away with so much little Bible knowledge, it's crazy. You know, we speak, we know so many good doctrines, so many, and that's good, of course, you, you want your Bible, your pastor and your ministers to have a handle of doctrines. So people get in pulpits and, yeah, we know doctrines, like we, we really know our doctrines, we, we know um, his, the church's history, and, but we don't know our, we don't actually know our Bibles. You know, we're not, we're not, we're, your, your, your pastors are not as familiar with Ezekiel as they are with Romans, and, and, for the, and he's a pastor, that should be what he, sh- he needs to be. We need to read our Bibles. And, and the, the Bible speaks a lot about the Sabbath, whether you know that or not. Well, you know that now. Uh, and so, 
That's why it's an important question. Um, the other thing is that we, um, because the, the Sabbath effects is a worship issue, worship and obedience issue. Two big things that come up when it comes to, to, to the Sabbath. One is, is it an eternal, is, is it a reflection of, of, of a, the moral law, which is a reflection of God's moral, char eternal character, et eternal character, and so is an abiding principle for, um, for all of eternity, for all of, um, for, for any time a man is in relationship with God, does the Sabbath commandment actually reflect what God's character is like? I hope that might be confusing for you at the moment, but that's actually a, a, a relevant question to the subject of the Sabbath. So the Sabbath affects how we understand the commandments of God. If, for example, keeping the Sabbath holy is one of God's commandments, then of course it's important for us to understand it. Because I want to know if God wants me to keep a Sabbath day, if God wants me to keep one day in the week holy. Otherwise, I'm breaking his law. And I don't want to break God's commandments. And it's a worship issue as well. Is this how God wants us to worship him? How does God want us to treat our Sunday? You know, we, we want to we offer God all of our lives. We want to serve him faithfully, not according to how we think we should, according to how he wants us to. So that's why, that's why the, the, the Sabbath, the subject is actually quite important for us because we care about how God wants us to worship him. Right, it's not enough that I'm happy the way we, I worship, or this is convenient. We want to worship the way God wants us to worship. Otherwise, he doesn't receive it, right? He's not pleased with it. Um, another reason is because actually it does cause quite a bit of control. You guys can't really see that, can you? Can you? <laughs> I can't say, you can't hear anything, can't say anything because you guys have a mask. That's a yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry, okay, that's, that's, I, didn't, I didn't even think of the, the size of the, the writing, but anyhow. Um, it's a controversial topic that has caused division. So yeah, as I said earlier, lo loads of ink has been spilt, loads of positions taken, and if not managed properly, can cause division. I mean, over the weeks, I'll argue that there's probably a way to, I don't think it's the sort of thing that should, well, shouldn't divide a church. Yeah. Shouldn't divide the church. I personally take the view that believers can coexist with different views on this. Obviously, there's, there's issues in the Bible you can't, co you know, you can't say, well, I, I don't believe in the Trinity and still be in, the, you know, in a, in a, in a Bible-believing church. Um, but um, I don't think the Sabbath falls into that category. I think, um, I think the Sabbath is an issue that we can agree to disagree over, but the whole subject around Sunday and so on can cause division, and so it's important for the church to, that's how the church, we respond to those things that cause, um, that might cause a bit of trouble for the church or disharmony. We have to um, go back to the scriptures and, and see, make sure that we are aligned with, with what God's word is saying. And um, the other thing is that your understanding of the Sabbath, what you make of the Sabbath, or the study of the Sabbath, actually touches different areas of the scriptures um, some of the most significant areas of Bible interpretation and studying, studying um, the Bible are affected and, and our understanding of those areas is, is reflected in, say, for example, the position we take on a subject like, this, like the Sabbath. So as I put, up, I put there, how you understand the law of God and the place, of the, the role of the law, um, how, you know, how the law and the gospel, uh, how, how those things combine how you understand the covenants, 
um, and, and how God has made covenant with his people, what you understand about the Mosaic covenant, for example, contrasted with, say, the New Covenant and so on, um, how you understand the relationship between your Old and New Testament, how do you apply um, Old Testament teaching to a New Testament, to, to New Covenant believers, and so on, and, and many other things that you could think of that are affected by that, that are affected by the position you would take on the Sabbath or your understanding of what the Sabbath is. So, so this is why this question is, is important. I hope, I hope you, you see that those are actually very important reasons um, if, you, if you had thought that this was a subject to, to overlook. It can actually be very, very beneficial for our, our understanding of, of God's Word. Um, one more thing before... Um, our main focus for this evening. So there's basically four positions I think you Christians generally take on the issue at this point. First one is that the, as far as the day when Christians should meet for worship, the seventh day of the week, which was the day when Old Testament Israel, and we're going to be looking at that tonight, the Sabbath in the Old Testament, the seventh day of the week, which was the day when Old Testament Israel generally gathered for worship, continues to be um, the day for the church to gather today. It's the right, so, so basically Saturday worship continues to be what the church should do. It's what the Old Testament, it's what the, the, the folks in the Old Testament did, Jews in the Old Testament, and it's what we should do. Now that is, I think, a, a, a certainly a minority position amongst evangelical believers. I don't even know if there's any, um, apart from Seventh-day Adventists and there's a huge discussion as to whether you describe them as evangelical believers, evangel- as an evangelical organization. But aside from Seventh-day Adventists, I don't know, I don't know of any um, mainstream evangelical churches who would worship on a Saturday. I, I don't think I've ever come across one. I might just be um, naive there, though. But yeah, um, it's a minority position. Other one is, is that Actually, I've said that Sabbath is transferred to Sunday. It's often referred to as a Christian Sabbath position, perhaps. And they have a kind of, it's a kind of transfer theology that says, quite clearly, Christians don't, don't Christians in the, in, the, in the Bible didn't meet, the New Testament church didn't meet on Saturday. Um, however, that's not because the Sabbath commandment was just um, discarded and done away with, but because it was, in, in the New Testament, the Saturday becomes, Saturday worship becomes Sunday worship as we commemorate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So on sun, Sunday is now the Christian Sabbath. But, but, but almost, should I say, literally speaking, in the sense that many of the things that apply to the, typical, that apply to the Jewish Sabbath in the Old Testament now apply to the New Testament Sabbath. So not only is there worship, but there's also some kind of rest. And there's also, you know, in the same way in the Old Testament, um, Christians, uh, believers were called to, to have a day in the week where they didn't work. In the same way in the New Testament, um, Christians have, are to have a day dedicated to the Lord, free from work, free from mundane activities. And there's a lot of debate as to what you can do on that, on that day. Um, admittedly, I, I did, I've done a Bible study on this a few years before, and that was the position I took then, not the position I take now. Um, but that's one position. It's, a, it's typically a reform position, I, I think. Um, but yeah, other position I just call the Lord's Day position. It says, there is a new day of worship in the New Testament, Sunday, first day of the week, the Lord's Day. Uh, however, it's not the new Sabbath. It's a new day for Christians to worship. 
um, the, 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 the principles for how you treat the day and so on are not in any way, shape or form similar to the Old Testament day simply because the New Testament doesn't take the time to outline it that way. Uh, but, but Christians t are to gather on the first day of the week. That's probably the position I take now. Um, just putting that out there. That's the Lord's Day position. Um, and then the last one is that just, but actually there are no, there are no unique days in the new covenant. That was an old covenant, um, old covenant idea. Um, Sunday is just like any other day of the week. Christians can decide to gather whenever they decide to, that's fine, but there's not actually any special day in the New Testament. Um, the Sabbath is done away with, pointing to, it's fulfilled in Christ. Um, Sunday is just like any other day, nothing special about it. Um, a church could decide that their meetings were to happen on a Tuesday. Um, honestly, most, apart from the first one, I think most of those positions have, can be, you know, quite reasonably defended. You know, I think, of course, I'm going to argue over the coming weeks that there are some that have more problems than others, but, so, so I can understand why folks in churches take different positions there. Um, but our concern is just to be, to be as faithful as to God's word as possible. I think the more you, you look at each position uh, and the positions that, um, that I'm gonna be, be disagreeing with in subsequent weeks, I'm suggesting that the more you find that maybe there's not as much, yeah, not as, there's, there's a departure somewhere from uh, what the Bible teaches in the sense that maybe things are being added or things are being ignored and so on. Uh, but th those are generally positions that Christians hold in the church um, today. Um, whatever your position is, we hope that can be challenged by, by God's word. But we're going to look initially then at the, the Sabbath in the Old Testament. And um, uh, tonight we'll, we'll end there just by, by looking at what the Sabbath meant in the Old Testament um, and, and how that then lays the, the foundation for uh, the, our understanding of the commandment today or, or of that practice today. So the Sabbath means in the Old Testament, it's a word that means to cease. Um, so you, you can kind of see how the idea of a rest day comes from that, but it kind of means to, you know, to stop something, to finish something, to complete something. So like the Sabbath was the day that, that completed the week, that finished the week. Um, and obviously, as I said, you can see how it leads to the conclusion that you cease from, from other activities. But it's first mentioned in, um, in Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 is, uh, is, 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 is text after um, the Israelites have come out of, of, of Egypt. And so in chapter 15, they're praising God for his deliverance. Chapter 16, they start to murmur a bit. God responds to their, to their grumbling and uh, to their needs as well by providing them with, with manna from heaven. And as they're receiving in, in the instruction for how to use the manna, you know, they were not meant to keep it, um, try, they're not meant to, to keep it overnight and so on. They ignore that, that has its consequences. One of the things that comes out in verse 22 and, um, and, and, and following is, is actually God introduces this Sabbath commandment. God says, um, uh, God says that on the, um, that, that they're, to keep, they're to keep a Sabbath. On the seventh day, they weren't together. 
right? On the sixth day, they were to uh, they were to do they were actually to double their their pickings on the sixth day so they could rest on the seventh, right? And that was the that's the first introduction we get to the um, to the subject of the Sabbath. In a moment, I'll show you why that might be consequential as as Christians think through what the Bible says about the Sabbath in the Old Testament. Um, Four pages after, in, in Exodus chapter 20, we read of the Sabbath as one of God's 10 commandments. That's what the Decalogue is, right? Um, let me read that again in your hearing, actually. Exodus 20, uh, Exodus 20, verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. You might be thinking, is the first reference to the Sabbath not in the book of Genesis? But actually, I'm talking about the Sabbath event itself. So as far as keeping a seventh day holy and calling it the Sabbath, that doesn't actually happen in Genesis 2. Genesis, Genesis 2 tells us that God sanctified a day. Doesn't actually tell us why. We, 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 we can probably connect the dots and say it had reference to you know, what happens in, in, in Exodus 20. But it doesn't actually tell us why God sanctified the day. It tells us God set apart a day and, and, and blessed a day. And in that context, it actually has to do with God's own creative work. That, that, the Genesis 2 is, is fundamentally about God's own resting, right? So not the, the Sabbath command we're dealing with, as Jesus Christ tells us, is about man's resting, right? Genesis 2 is about God's resting. So the first time we, we read about this, about man himself resting, is, is in Exodus 16, and then Exodus 20, where we realize it's now one of God's, um, one of God's Ten Commandments that he wants his people to follow. Um, and then on and on, the Sabbath commandment is developed in the rest of the Old Testament and you know, different emphases are placed um, to, and, and there's clarifications and the commandment is intensified and clarified. Um, especially we find that as we, you know, taking into consideration the whole corpus of at least the Torah, the Pentateuch, um, the, the first five books of, 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 of the Bible, we find that the commandment to keep the Sabbath for Israel is located both in their recognition of God as their creator, God as the creator of heaven and earth, and God's pattern for making the world being the pattern for how they live, and then God as it subsequently is revealed that also God as their redeemer. So they, they keep the Sabbath in recognition of both those two things. God is our creator, God is, is our redeemer, as we'll see uh, in a moment. So Deuteronomy chapter five, verse 12 and 15, I'll read that uh, later on as well. But that there, there, Moses is actually recounting the 10 commandments, but there, the reason for the Sabbath. So remember in Exodus 20, when, God, when Moses says, keep, you guys are to have a Sabbath practice, a one day that you set aside. Moses says the rationale for that is creation. In Deuteronomy chapter five, he says, and he's actually, he's given the Ten Commandments, but this time the rationale is you are redeemed from slavery in Egypt. Um, yeah, and, and so that, that's, uh, that's, yeah, that, that's that. But the, just a few more things then about, just some, some general observations about the, 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 the practice of the Sabbath in, 
in, in, the, in, the, in, in the Old Testament, especially um, in Moses' time when, when the, the, the commandment is, is, is being established. Um, so it was a weekly observation uh, where they, essentially the, the fundamental command, even though it's, it's buttressed at points, but fundamentally it was you cease from work. Right, initially, anyhow, the first thing, it was a day from resting from work. So the big thing for, and we'll see next week as well, the big thing for the Jews very often was, what, do we, what can we not do? What are the things that we, we, we should not do so that we do not um, abuse or violate the, the God's holy day, God's sacred day? Um, and at points in the Old Testament, it's not really a... So, so there's not a lot of detail like this. At points in the Old Testament, there, there's details about things you can't do. You know, there's indications, for example, that there shouldn't be any harvesting, any planting, um, shouldn't be doing any cooking and so on. Um, but there's not a lot of detail. That, that, that's actually insightful as to what happens when our Lord comes on the scene. So in the New Testament, when we see our Lord Jesus Christ debating with the Pharisees and the scribes about the commandments, actually, one of the things you see going on there is they have all these kind of laws, all these kind of regulations for how to keep the Sabbath, the Old Testament doesn't have that many regulations. God's word doesn't actually have that many regulations. Where, where are they coming from, right? So, so um, it's not, so, not as simple as Jesus Christ just being against the Sabbath. Christ was against men trying to put their traditions um, above the commandments of God. Men trying to, and, and, and subsequently then being a, putting a burden upon people that God had no desire to, to place on them. Um, but essentially what's the rest, later on, and I'm not saying much later on, but it becomes clearer as well. It's not just a rest from physical activity. So that the, day, the day is not just a day for you to laze away. It's a, day, it's a day for them to rest from physical activity so they can give themselves to God in worship. So that's one of the things that unfolds as we, we, also, as we look through the, um, the subject of the Sabbath. So it wasn't just a day from resting. For resting, it was also a day where they, they gave themselves to uh, the worship of God, and, and the Sabbath becomes one of the feasts, one of the feast days for Israel. It's a weekly feast day, as it were. Um, and, and it was a sign of God's covenant with Israel. So it was, it was one of the signs of the covenant. Exodus chapter 31. Um, Exodus 31 and, and, and 12. I want to read that. And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. Verse 16, therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and he was refreshed. So it's a, it's a, it's a covenant, it's a, it's a, it's a sign of, their co- of, of, of God's covenant with Israel, a sign of the Mosaic covenant that God had made with his people. Um, that's what, that's what the, the, the Sabbath was. And so in one sense, the, the extent to which they keep it is reflecting of the fact of the extent to which they are being faithful to the covenant of God. And a failure to be faithful to the covenant that God has made with them results in, in death. So think of Exodus chapter 32, when Moses is receiving the words of the covenant, and meanwhile, Israel are down, downstairs somewhere, down there somewhere, violating the covenantal terms, worshipping other gods. They, 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 they basically, 
they've, they've broken contract. They've broken the covenant. They've committed um, uh, they've a, a violation of the covenant. That means God should do away with them. So that when God speaks to Moses, what God says to Moses is, I'm about to destroy them. I'm getting rid of them. I'm tearing everything up. In fact, Moses himself is to some degree, he embodies that reality, right? When he comes down and the very thing he does before Israel is he breaks the table, the t- tablets in front of them to show them that this, these are what your actions have amounted to. They've amounted to you destroying the covenant that God has with you. Obviously in God's mercy, um, they're, they're saved from that. But because the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant, violation of the Sabbath commandment was met with, with the death penalty. So Numbers 15 is actually a, 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 a real, real life scenario of, so it's not just a commandment not to break it or it's not just a regulation that if you break the commandment you, you face death penalty. Numbers 15 is actually about someone who does break the, the, the Sabbath commandment. He's picking up sticks or something or on, on the Sabbath day and you know, he's found and he, has to face, he actually faces the death penalty uh, because the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant, the covenant faithfulness. Um, but but it, it also doesn't just have a horizontal element. No, vertical. It's not just a vertical element it has. So as far as, um, sorry, it's not just um, an issue. It's not, it's not just a day to, to, to meditate on the works of God. It's also a day to be good to people. So the Sabbath was also a reminder for Israel to show compassion to others. They were to remember that because, um, because God had redeemed them from slavery, God had been good to them when they were in despair, they were to be good to those around them who were perhaps less well off than them, who were destitute. So the, the, the Sabbath command is applied, the Sabbath was to be enjoyed not just by the people of Israel, but it was, a, it was to allow the, the slaves to, to enjoy. It, it was allowed to allow the stranger also, he was to enjoy the Sabbath. Even animals were to be given that, 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 that day off as it were. Uh, and so it was to remind Israel that not only, in fact, the only way to be in a genuine vital relationship with God was to be good to others. Uh, so Sab- the Sabbath was, was also had this social concern, social element to it. Um, but ultimately, what you find in the, in the Old Testament is the Sabbath becomes a part of the, of, um, it's such an important commandment that actually it, it, can, it can show you, it can, it can, it can show you where, where Israel are with God the state of their relationship with God. When they're obeying, and, and God says this over and over, to, uh, over, and over again, you know, so, so, so God gives, God, God attaches promise to the observ- observation of the Sabbath. When you obey the Sabbath, when Israel are obeying the Sabbath because they're loving the Lord, because they're in a right relationship with him, it brings blessing. When they, when they don't do that, um, it brings curses. And so the, the verses in Ezekiel and Isaiah, I won't read them, but they, they speak quite clearly to that. In fact, I, the prophet Isaiah, is happy to associate the, the, the very exile of Israel from the land with their violation of the Sabbath. In fact, God would say at points in the, uh, in, 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 in the Old Testament that he would remove them from the land so that the land could have its rest. The land can have its Sabbath. Um, and so uh, the Sabbath, again, just at that point, I'm just reminding you of the, 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 the importance of the Sabbath commandment for the Old Testament believers. It, it wasn't by any means uh, a peripheral, 
uh, ancillary uh, commandment. It was a central one, it was a, it was a vital one, one that um, had the very, it was, it was a matter of life and death really for, for Israel. Um, but then two things, I, I said earlier that the, the theological basis, and I'm gonna examine that with you briefly now before I close with some application. That the theological basis for the, um, the Sabbath is explained in the, uh, in, in the Old Testament to be twofold. One is what God is doing, in cre- what God does in creation, and two, what God does in, uh, in redemption. So, um, you know the, the reference for, for the, uh, for the, the, the creational basis, the, the, creation, the creation basis for the Sabbath, that would be in Genesis chapter two, after God has, has created the world, and he's, he's made the world, he's created and work in six days uh, with the culmination of, of crea- cre- his creative activity being uh, men and women. And, and then there's this seventh thing. Let me read Genesis 2 uh, in your hearing quickly. Sorry, I have all kind of, all kind of versions. So Genesis 2 verses 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth, Genesis 2, 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, so God's finished his creative work. On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So over the coming weeks, we'll tease out, not this week, not the next week, will tease out the, the theological um, ramifications of a passage like this and the, the, the conclusions that Christians have tried to come out to and, and I'll try and suggest which one I think is, is, is the most uh, faithful. However, probably have to say a point here, make, make this point here now. One of the, 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 the reasons why this question is crucial and the importance of this passage, aside from the fact that quite clearly in, if, passages like Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, the, the Sabbath command is grounded in, in creation, is, is that people come to Genesis 2, 1 to 3, and say, is it possible to ignore the... Um, so, so you remember I said earlier in the... In, in the in, I said earlier that there's actually no... The, this is not a Sabbath com- commandment. We, we don't read after Genesis 2 that Adam and Eve keep the Sabbath, even though some would argue that. I do think the argument for... Um, a Sabbath practice prior to Exodus 16, for example, is not very convincing. It's hard to you know, convincingly say, oh, Abraham kept a Sabbath or Noah kept a Sabbath. It's hard to do that. Uh, and so it's true that there, are, there is actually not a command to keep the Sabbath here in Genesis 2. It tells about what God is doing. It tells us that God, God set that day apart. It doesn't tell us why he set the day apart. As, or at least he doesn't tell us that he set the day apart because he wanted Israel to observe it. Um, but but some, some, some folks would respond to that and say, but is it even possible to ignore right, the, the, the connection between this passage and the subsequent practice, Sabbath practice of, the, of, of Israel? Is it possible to even think that this is not... This is not hinting at that, that this is not actually preparing us for that. Now, now, I don't actually think it is possible. I think Moses writes this, and you have to probably concede that 
one of the reasons why Moses writes this is because he's, he, certainly because he's, he's also presenting the basis to Israel for why they keep the Sabbath. But that doesn't quite get to the heart of it. So the conclusion that some make from there is, if it's true then that before there was a fall, right, before there was ever any sin, um, God instituted Sabbath practice. God indicated that the Sabbath, you know, he, 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 be, you know, the week should run with six days of labor, one day of rest. Then this is a, crea- a, crea- a creation ordinance. A creation ordinance is something that is, is, is an ordinance, a principle that is entrenched in um, God's, if you want, initial creative um, design so that it continues to have authority for the duration of created life, one, and two, applies to all of humanity. So typically, for example, in a reform, reform setting, we'll say marriage is a creation ordinance. What that means is marriage continues to be, to, to have relevance and continues to be a certain type of thing for all of created life. And also, marriage is the, um, marriage can be enjoyed by, any, by all of creation, anyone who's been created by God, by all of humanity. So marriage is not for the, just, just, just for the church. Right, that's why we would go to an unbeliever's wedding, for example, or we would um, we would say, well, this this we, we would say that oh, uh, this is what marriage should look like. We'll tell that to the government because we, we say we say marriage is a creation ordinance. God made marriage for all of humanity. It's not just a church thing. The Lord's Supper is a redemption is a, is a church thing. It's a redemption thing. It belongs to the church alone. Marriage, um, a, a number of other things people would add in there: labor, work, um, yeah, what have you. But also, some folks want to add the Sabbath to that. Now, if you add the Sabbath to that, what you're saying is, the Sabbath is a principle that all of humanity is meant to follow. Regardless, all of mankind is meant to follow. Um, so, so basically, to show you where the, 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 the heart of the issue is, it's, it, a Christian can't say, oh, I'm a Christian now, um, and we're, we're, I'm part of the church, so the Sabbath doesn't apply to me, because the Sabbath only applied to Israel, for example. Someone who takes this, as, as a crea- takes this as, as a creation ordinance would say in response, actually, God made a Sabbath for everybody, everyone, for, for every, every, every human being. So even Christians can't just say, no more than we can say because we're Christians now, we don't believe in marriage or marriage doesn't apply to us. No, it's a creation ordinance. No more can we say that the Sabbath doesn't apply to us. So the Sabbath has, has perpetual relevance for humanity. So because, of, because that's the case, um, Christians, it, it's impossible for Christians to say um, that the Sabbath doesn't have relevance to us today. We should basically keep the Sabbath today. Nothing, Jesus Christ is not going to, didn't come to um, overrule God's creative purposes. Now, there is reason to question whether this is um, a creation ordinance, as I said. It, Genesis 2 doesn't actually speak explicitly about the Sabbath command. Um, even though it forms a basis for it, it never commands um, anyone to keep the Sabbath. I think the greater thing that's happening here is that, um, I think the, great, the greatest, the, the, the main thing, the main, the main thing in, in, in Genesis 2 is, is God himself setting this day aside for himself, and I'll, and I'll say what I think the significance of that is in a moment. Also, um, it's not obvious that people that before Moses, 
anyone reads Genesis 2 or that Abraham keeps the Sabbath, for example. And, um, and um, it's not obvious that the Sabbath was, meant for, was, not, was not just meant for Israel. So, so what could have happened is, yes, Genesis 2 happens and God sets this day apart for himself, but actually, when you get to Exodus 16 and Exodus 20, that's God giving Israel a particular command, a command that belonged to Israel and not necessarily to the whole world, right? So the Sabbath was for Israel, yes, and it was based on God's creative purposes, yes, but not necessarily for the whole world. Now, I actually, t- I tend to think that actually the best way to see this is that this is a creation ordinance of some sort. I, I think it's hard to deny the, um, the fact that one, Genesis 2 exists to tell to tell mankind, so, so someone, if, so, if someone says the Sabbath is just for Israel, you'd go to something like Exodus 16, Exodus 20, where God is actually at Sinai speaking to Israel alone. However, Genesis 2 is not quite for Israel alone. That's for all of humanity. This is before an Israel exists. And even though Genesis 2 doesn't command the Sabbath, I, do, I appreciate those who reading Exodus 20, for example, back into Genesis 2 say, is it possible that God could have even done this without thinking that he wanted this to be, um, to set a pattern for man and woman? So I actually do think, I, I lean towards thinking this is actually a creation ordinance. Um, furthermore, let's just say that um, Israel were the beneficiaries of the application of Genesis 2. So, so it, it was to Israel that God gave the Sabbath commandment. It wouldn't necessarily change the fact that so the fact that other, the other nations around Israel didn't keep the Sabbath wouldn't prove, wouldn't necessarily prove, right, that God didn't intend the Sabbath to be for those nations. It, it just proved that the nations didn't know God. So because they didn't know God, they didn't know his commandments, they didn't know his law. Um, certainly when folks converted to, and folks did, if people converted to Judaism, they were expected to enjoy uh, the Sabbath. So I, I do think that um, we should see a creation pattern there. Certainly, anyhow, then by keeping the, I think it's, it's fair to say that by keeping the Sabbath, Israel are meant to be imitating the divine pattern um, and so affirming, um, affirming that they were, they, they, were, they were binding to God's own timetable. Um, so so I, I think that the only thing I will say though is it, it probably, it doesn't necessarily follow though that because the Sabbath was a creation ordinance, it, it, it cannot undergo any changes. Um, so that's what we'll think about in the, in, the, in, the, in the coming weeks. Whether, even though it's true, if, if it was true, hypothetically speaking, if it's true, the Sabbath is a creation ordinance, so God wanted all of humanity to partake in the Sabbath. It, it is, you know, if you know God, that's what you'd usually do. You'd keep a day, set, a day, set aside a day to him. It doesn't follow, though, that that creation ordinance cannot undergo changes. Um, at the advent of Jesus Christ, right? It doesn't, doesn't follow, for example, that a Christian couldn't say, yeah, I, I think the Sabbath is a creation ordinance, but it's actually been fulfilled in Christ because you know, creation's purposes are fulfilled in Christ. That's something we'll discuss in, in coming weeks. But I do think the best way to read the connection between um, Sabbath and creation in Genesis 2, not only does it form a pattern for Israel, of course it does, but actually that maybe God was indicating that, that what you have is a, is a creation ordinance in, in Genesis 2. Um, something that God wanted all of humanity to, to practice, but when they departed into sin, of course, um, things change. Um, 
But as I said as well, um, the main point of, of, of Genesis 2 is, is God's own rest. So quoting, um, well, this is not D.A. Carson, it's a book that edit, um, Carson edit, edits. Um, I can't remember who wrote this particular um, essay. Uh, but he, I'll just read it as we are told that God ceased from working on the seventh day to rest and be refreshed, although he didn't need to, to rest or be refreshed. This can only indicate that the goal of creation is not mankind, that the crown of creation is not man, but that all creative activities of God flow into a universal rest period. So ultimately, the point being, God rests on the seventh day because, as a reminder, that all creation is about him. All creation and all the activity of creation resolves itself into God's own resting, God's rest, God saying that this is good, right? And that's, 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 that's when creation has its full purpose, when, it, when, it, when it's heading towards God, when it's resting in God. Um, and of, of course, Jesus Christ tells us later on that this doesn't mean that God stops working. He continues to uphold his world. He continues to work. Um, uh, so, so, the, so, so the rest of of Genesis 2 is not saying that God doesn't work anymore. Uh, in that case, then, it must be indicating something. It must be a message to the world about the, the character of God, and, 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 and it must actually be, be speaking back to how we are to understand God's creative work. And so not to look to creation, itself, to creation as an end in itself, but to look to God. And that's why it becomes important for Israel to keep a Sabbath. Because unlike the nations around them, by keeping the Sabbath, Israel was showing that they understood that creation was about God. You know, we, we, creation is not an end in and of itself. We don't live for the created order. Man does not live by bread alone. Um, but anyhow, the next, the other theological basis is redemption, right? So um, Deuteronomy 5 tells us that the basis for the Sabbath command is not only, is not only creation, is also um, redemption. I'm going to read that passage as well. Deuteronomy 5. Where did that put you? Forgive me. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So also add some other, um, add some other participants to the Sabbath. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. So the redemption, the exodus. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath. So in, um, in Deuteronomy, the basis for the Sabbath commandment is redemption. It's being, it's being redeemed. Not only is God their creator God, he's their redeemer God. And that's why they observe um, Sabbath, it was their way of reckoning with the fact that God had brought them into his, his, his rest. Um, so, um, and so the Sabbath was a, a time then for Israel not just to rest from physical activity, but to rest in their Redeemer God, to rest in their uh, in their 
covenant king. And, and so as a redeemed people, the, the, the Sabbath for Israel became marked not just by the cessation of physical activity, but the act of worship. So another quote from um, that book, uh, from, from um, Sabbath to, to Lord's Day, which I quoted earlier, it's quoting Psalm 92, and the Psalm 92 is a, is a, is a song for the Sabbath. That's what the, 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 the title says. Um, and, and when you read Psalm 92, what are the things that, 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 that is indicated that you find the people of, of, of Israel also giving themselves to on the Sabbath day, giving thanks, singing praises, declaring God's faithfulness, rejoicing with instruments and singing, admiring his works and wisdom, trusting God's justice, and praising his care, concern, and power. The redeemed people of God say so by setting this day aside to, 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 to seek um, their, their Redeemer King and, and, re, and, and remind themselves that uh, all of life resolves itself in him. All of life is about knowing the one who, who said to us, or who said to Pharaoh, anyhow, let my people go, that they might go and do my service. So they hadn't come out of Egypt so they could go and serve themselves. They'd gone out from Egypt so they could serve him. Um, and so um, because of that, uh, the Sabbath was, 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 uh, was, uh, play, was this, played this covenantal role in Israel. As they stood before the one who redeemed them, the Sabbath reminded them that they belonged to him um, and uh, that they were to rest in him, delight. So it was meant to be a delightful thing. It wasn't meant to be a burden. Uh, when it was a burden for Israel, it was a sign that their heart was in the wrong place. Very often, God rejected the formalism of a Sabbath that didn't come from the heart. By the time you come to this, the, the, by the time it comes to the New Testament, for example, you get a clear picture of folks who, they, had, they were so stringent, they were adding law upon law as to what you couldn't do and could do on the Sabbath, things that the Bible didn't speak about, but their hearts were far from God. And so when Jesus Christ is, when Jesus Christ is, 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 is actually demonstrating the fullness of the Sabbath rest before them to see, or the aim of the Sabbath rest, they can't even see it. They don't know it because their heart is so far from God. Um, uh, but ultimately, the Sabbath was, was meant to be a mark of, of authentic, genuine worship for Israel, and God hated it when it, 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 um, when it became rather just, you know, um, surface worship, mouth worship, as opposed to worship from the heart. Um, uh, and the extent to which they kept, kept that was, was the extent to which they, they could be assured of, of, of God's blessing. Um, but, but also became this mark that they were, they, they, they were God's faithful people. So Israel who came out of Egypt to follow after God. And one of the ways they communicated that faithfulness, the fact that they were committed to serving God was the way they treated the Sabbath. And that was, that's again reminding us of the centrality, the significance of the Sabbath for, at the very least, for Old Testament worshipers. There's no denying that. Whatever conclusions you come to about the role that the Sabbath should play in the Christian's life today or how the, the Christian should understand the Sabbath today, there's no doubting its centrality for piety and for um, faithfulness, covenant faithfulness for the Old Testament believer. Now, I'm going to close. I'm going to close by making these applications. And, um, I won't tell you how many they are, but I'll make these applications. And the aim is just to, um, it's hard for me to, to make 
applications that don't take away from the, the next few weeks because at the moment we're, we're, we're not, um, yeah, we're, we're still in the Old Testament and eventually as we start to really think through how the both, both testaments present and develop the, the idea of the Sabbath, I'll make full applications. That being said, um, I want to make some applications about what I think the reminding some of the, the, the major things that the Sabbath meant to the Old Testament believer. However, things that clearly have the same uh, weight with us as New Testament believers, right? So um, there's many things that the, 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 the Sabbath would have reminded the Old Testament believer of and which at least are true for us today, even if it's not from the Sabbath, just from our general understanding of, of our faith things that continue to be central in the heart of Christians today. Um, first thing is, is the lordship of God in creation, right? The, the Sabbath clearly spoke to that for the, to the, to, 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 to the Israelite. God is God who, God made the heavens and the earth. God is our creator, he's our maker. And also we're to serve, we're to serve the giver of the gifts and not the gifts. And so, you know, this day where you ceased, Stop acting like you hold, you hold life in your own hands, right? You, you surrender everything, you leave everything. You're not in control. This is not your world. This is, this is God's world. And the Sabbath said that to, to the Old Testament believer. And that, that's, that remains true for us today. That we must live lives that reflect the fact that God is God over creation. He's the God of creation. That means we, we acknowledge the goodness of creation and the beauty of creation. But it also means, right, that we're not controlled by it that we don't live for, for things and stuff. We put them in their proper perspective and we don't pursue, pursue riches and, and we, 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 we serve the giver of the, of the gifts and not the gifts themselves. And we use all our gifts. We use the, the blessings he gives us in creation. We realize that they're, they're, they're to make much of him and we will never know true rest until we are resting in him, right? We have to prioritize being content in the Lord over having you know, the contents of this world. We have to prioritize that. Prioritize resting in the Lord above you know, having, having a nice, beautiful room to rest in, you know, having, uh, feeling that you're, you have peace of mind because you have a lot of money or whatever. No, our true rest comes from the God of creation. Um, yeah. Um, the lordship of God in redemption, right? Uh, that, that was also one of the things the Sabbath told them. They kept the Sabbath because he redeemed them. They, 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 they set this day apart to, remember, to remind themselves, we're just, a, that's what we are, we're a bought people. You know, we're getting on, they're getting on with the business of their lives and they stop, they cease to recognize that the most important thing about their lives is that they've been bought. We must live that same way. At every, you know, every, vantage, every, every point, we must never forget the most important thing about you and I is we've been bought, we've been redeemed, we've been ransomed. That means that, means that we are free. We're truly free. We've got true freedom from guilt, freedom from sin and, 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 and hell, freedom from Satan's accusations, freedom from, from, from God's wrath. But it also means that we're in bondage. Well, enslaved, enslaved to, to Jesus Christ. I actually don't have any rights of my own. I don't live for myself. I'm, I'm, just, I'm a bought person, I'm a bought individual, belong to someone else. Um, I don't have self-autonomy 
in the sort of boundless um, way that the world seeks it. Like nothing controls me apart from my feelings or nothing controls me apart from you know, my truth. No, actually, I am, I'm totally controlled because I've been bought, I've been redeemed. And we enjoy the liberty of that, the freedom that that gives, because no man then can tr- control me and own me. No man can condemn me. God has set me free. But also, I belong to another person. We have to live every single day remembering that, right? So, so often we can, we can forget that we're living and we forget, listen, we're just, we're just we're, we've been redeemed, we've been bought. Um, the other thing is, nothing is delight in the Lord. One of the things that God actually desired for Israel was to see that his ho- he, the beauty of his holiness set that day apart, sanctify that day so that you can, you can remind yourselves that it's God who's beautiful. And it wasn't meant to be a burden. That's not the Sabbath that God wanted for them. That's what the Old Testament says. He, God didn't want, he wanted them to delight in the Sabbath, to delight in the opportunity they had to, to gaze on God, to think about him, to praise him. And it just reminds us that God wants our, true religion is happy religion. True religion is joyful religion. True religion is not a constrained religion. It's not a forced religion. You know, an uncomfortable, you know, one that, I'm just, we can't, we can't truly be seeing the Lord if we're not loving to be with him, to spend time with him, to hear from him to speak about him. That's, that's true religion. God wants us to delight in him, to see, us, to see how beautiful he is. Our problem, of course, is we don't see it. We have to pray to God to open our eyes, make me understand it, help me to take it in. Teach me what it means. We have to pray that, open my eyes to see. Open my eyes, says the psalmist, that I may, I may see wondrous things in your law. Because I know this is beautiful. This is meant to be the. I know how we. I, I, we know how we respond to beauty. We know how we respond to the things that satisfy. And the remind. Look. Think of the Sabbath picture as rest. You know what it's like to have had a long day, and to be truly able to rest. You know what it's like to have had a long year, and then to be offered a beautiful holiday, and to be able to rest. No one complains about that. And get into your hotel, and someone's forcing. And someone's forcing you to sleep. And you're angry. Oh, how could someone put me in this five-star hotel like this? How can someone just be feeding me so well? How can I be sleeping? And you don't do that. It's, you delight in it. It's like, this is my taste. I'm tasting heaven on earth. Some of you already, some of you, my words are hitting you right now as you're planning to get out of, of COVID. You know, just say, this guy, someone is hitting me. This, God wants us to feel the same way about him, there's no place I'd rather be than knowing more of what Christ has done for me. Where's the light in our, in our religion? Where's the love, the joy, the, 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 the ecstasy almost? Um, love of God and love of neighbor because remember the Sabbath wasn't just vertical, it was also horizontal. And we can never forget that. There's no true religion, I think I was saying this on Sunday, no true religion if it's not making us love others more. Believers, of course, primarily, especially, but the whole world loving sinners more. I'm very careful of that. The Sabbath reminds us that God wants us to treat people 
right. And for Christians, to treat people right is not simply to give them what they deserve. To treat people right is to show them the grace that we've experienced. And the grace that we've experienced is not grace that we've deserved. The grace that we've experienced is goodness to those who are bad. It's fairness to those who are unjust. It's kindness to those who are cruel. That's the goodness, that we, that's the grace we've experienced. Is that how you treat people in this world today? Is that how we treat others around us? Do, do we realize that's the kind of balance? It's, an, it's almost an imbalance, being good to those who are evil, right? Love of God, love of neighbor. That's why the Bible can say, love your enemies. Another thing is obedience. You know, there's a stress for that. They were, they, Israel had to obey. I imagine the Sabbath commandment could be uncomfortable. I imagine the Sabbath commandment could be, um, could be, could be strenuous. It, could, it required sacrifice. It required you to, to, to labor because, you know, you had to be orderly. You had to get your act together. You, had, you know, it, it, it could affect ease. But there is, God wanted to see how his people, how committed his people were to obeying him. And regardless of no matter what we think about the Old and New Covenant, certainly we all agree that the call to obedience has not, is not weakened at all in, in, in the New Covenant. If anything, is magnified. Why? Because for the believer, he is actually seen with clear eyes, perfect obedience displayed in his, in his Savior, Jesus Christ. The one whose name he calls for salvation is one whose entire life could actually be quite rightly defined or described as one whole life of obedience. He always did the will of the Father. And so we also sometimes are strenuous, sacrificial, tasking, uncomfortable obedience. How did Jesus say it? The kind of obedience that is ready to lay its own life down. Right? Pick up its cross and follow him. Die to self. Die to my feelings, my desires, obedience. Rest in the faithfulness of God. They were to rest because God was faithful. Don't worry about, you know, a day, a day where you, you, you couldn't work. You couldn't try and, you know, no, you have to trust God there. You have to trust him to take care of everything. And they were to rest in God's faithfulness. And we're to do the same as well. Jesus Christ warns us to, to not be anxious for anything as though we'd forgotten that it was his father who closed, our father closed the lilies of the field, right? Don't, don't, don't rest in the, in, the, in the faithfulness of God, life free from pagan-like anxiety. And then lastly, a future rest. I put that with a question mark just because we're gonna develop that idea later on. But at least if we're to, and we are, we are going to, right, believe the words of the, the writer to the Hebrews, one of the things that was present in the idea of the Sabbath commandment was that there was a rest to come. He says, you know, it's true that one of the things that Israel were promised that, you know, Joshua was going to lead you into your promised land, into your land of rest. But God also told them that there was a rest to come. God indicated that actually they had to keep being obedient if they would enter into his rest. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews tells us that the Old Testament saints lived with this kind of uh, um, Tension. So, so where Abraham is promised a land, a physical land here, but actually the writer of the Hebrews said, but trust me, he was always seeking a land that this world couldn't give him. He always had that sense. And so the Old Testament saints, even though they didn't see things as clearly as we did, the Lord also still revealed to them that there was, 
there was something greater to come. There was a future reality to look towards. Even when they had times of peace, even when they had times of prosperity in this world, there was still a sense that there was more to be sought. You know, the very vision of God. And the Sabbath reminds us. And, and, and that same thing, right, is true for the New Testament believer. God wants us to, lead, to, to in one sense, God wants, to, to, wants us to live uh, um, with discontent in this present world, always seeking our future rest, always waiting for a world to come. I think I was saying this on Sunday again. So easy, right, to begin to rest in this present world. So, so, so easy to begin to rest here, and I, this is our final home. No, every single thing we own or possess here is perishable, is fleeting. Only in a world to come will we find future rest. The amazing thing for us is that future rest actually invades us now. And so sometimes a Christian is demonstrating the kind of rest that is heavenly, it's divine. Why? Because the, the assurance of a future rest he has is giving him the kind of peace. The Bible says it's a peace that passes all understanding, that's guarding his heart. What do you think that is? It's a heavenly rest. It's a rest from another world to come. Um, but, we, but, we, but, but to experience it in a very limited, very limited way now, but also to yearn for it, that's when our true rest will come.